Hello, listeners, and welcome to the 13 Weeks of Halloween. <laughs> Hello, hello, kids. It is so good to be back. Hello, Sam Baxter. Hello, Pissy Miles. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm still kicking. I'm actually kicking with excitement today, because doing high kicks, you might say, <laughs> because we have two very, very special guests with us here on My Spooky Gay Family today. We have... A couple of guys who have created an amazing podcast. It is featured on the Morbid Network. It is that amazing. Uh, They talk everything spooky, everything gay, all the gay shit that we are here for. We have our amazing guests, Johnny and Tyler from That's Spooky. Hello, hello, kids. Hello. Hello. Welcome to my spooky gay family. Thank you for having us. How are you guys doing today? We're doing great. Feeling gorgeous, feeling wonderful, ready to talk some spooky <laughs> bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we used a foam roller before we got on the air today. We're all stretched <laughs> out. We're good to go, you know? That's She's right. feeling loose as a goose. Welcome Thought- to the party. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Thought about drinking a green juice, didn't do it, but we're here we are. Yeah. What is a it. green juice? Um, you know what? I order it from Uber Eats and it shows up and I don't question it. I think there's kale. I think there's um, some bananas in there. What yeah. else, Tyler? Is Mango, it like a smoothie? Mango. Yeah, yogurt. I think. Yeah. That's Where what does I tell it come myself. from? Booster juice. Yeah, not oh, it's, sponsored. It's... Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, we just said a company name. <laughs> I think it's okay. <laughs> Booster juice, sir. Very Canadian company. Yeah, but I Is don't it? even know if I like mm-hmm. them. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, I've ne- I don't think I've ever heard of booster juice. It's or, probably it- like the whack ass Canadian Jamba juice. I don't know. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I should mention for any of our listeners who uh, are not cross listeners with that spooky. That spooky is recorded by our hosts who live in Canada. You guys are in Toronto, right? That's yes. right. Yes. But originally from the East Coast. Do you mean the East Coast of Canada? Yes. Oh, yes. That's yes, the yes. delay that yeah. we're experiencing oh. right now. Yeah. So <laughs> we we currently live in Toronto, uh, but we're originally from the uh, the wonderful province of Nova Scotia. Although Tyler's from the island of Cape Breton, which is kind of like the defector of the province. Right. They're, yeah. They're the a part separatists of, the province. of Nova Scotia. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's our thing up here in Canada. So we're from there, but now we live out here. And that's our story. It's wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nova yeah. Scotia. Now, forgive me. I'm I'm one of those uh, hyper, like, self-aware Americans who doesn't pay attention to anyone else. Nova Scotia is the part that's, like, near Greenland, right? Uh, or- no, I think that's probably Newfoundland because they're a little bit more north. Yeah, oh, and a little okay. bit more east. Yeah, yeah. Our claim to fame is if you've ever seen the movie The Day After Tomorrow, we're mm-hmm. the first place to get 
flooded. Really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. what a lovely distinction. <laughs> I was going to say that we received some Titanic survivors because we were that close to that whole situation. But sure, Did I'll you? take that as well. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. There's a graveyard just full of them. just full of the survivors Survivors? they they showed up in canada was like fuck this they were like get the get the shovels we're we're putting them away they weren't the survivors they were oh here i am here i am yeah yeah they didn't survive all the dead actually yeah no they were like you will never believe what we what happened to us and canada was like want to bet gong and they just knocked him over the head they're like oh you think we're so nice up here ducky oh yeah think again me love <laughs> Put him in the arbor. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's totally that. Well, that that's so interesting. Have you guys ever done? Uh, there must be if there are Titanic survivors. There must be some like haunted spots there in Nova Scotia. Have you ever done like a ghost tour? Oh yeah. Oh, life in Nova Scotia is a ghost tour. Yeah, there's yeah. a really wonderful book called Blue Nose Ghosts that talks about all of the haunted folklore from Nova Scotia. Yeah, it was a, a folklorist named Helen Creighton. She collected it in the 50s and did a follow-up called Blue Nose Magic. And basically her deal was she was going through Nova Scotia doing this folklorist kind of shindig where they would go into all the small communities and collect recitations and songs and things like that. But then she noticed that so many people were telling her ghost stories. And she was like, I gotta write this shit down. And she was in <laughs> one place around Halifax where basically they were telling her about this thing in the town called a ghost house and it was built from all of the wreckage that would wash up on shore and that's where all of the ghosts in the town lived and it's this kind of beautiful i don't know god makes me want to create some installation art you know it's this beautiful little manifestation of the fears of this town but it kind of made her go like oh shit it's not just like song and story that connects us all it's also these kind of like folky ghost stories that everyone passes around out here like the maritimes is spooky as hell yeah yeah so yeah we we live laugh and love it how crazy i i imagine there must be a lot of like crazy ghost stories in canadian culture especially because you have so many indigenous people in your country that like I, I feel like you probably have a similar relationship with the indigenous yeah. cultures in your country that we do here in uh, mm-hmm. America. Oh, they've been horrible to them up here. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if you've been hearing about uh, the residential schools. Like I know a lot of folks yeah. in Amer- yeah. uh, the USA are just starting to hear about this now, but it's, it's a huge part of our history. And um, there are a lot of ghost stories, like even outside of that trauma as well. Like there's just, a, there's a lot of kind of Irish folklore that came over with a lot of mm. the uh, people that settled, especially along the east coast so yeah there's just all sorts of different pockets of spooky ookiness across the uh the map up here in canada especially if you go up north there are some real good folk tales up there i just mm-hmm. covered one about a sea witch that snatches children like la Llorona. my goodness okay. i'm i'm if i'm being honest a little pissed that they're telling my story and they didn't even ask for an interview but i know right? <laughs> I, I i appreciate any sea witch uh, any sea witch is just a friend of mine. True. I love Ursula. Uh, everyone loves Ursula. Right? Uh, Absolutely. The late great divine is modeled after Ursula. How could you not love it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, Ursula was modeled after her, darling. Oh, she, yeah, did that yeah. right. Yeah. We're, we are ass oh backwards God. here today. Listen, I'm flipping it and I'm reversing it. Welcome yeah, to podcasting Ursula. with Canadians. That's why she has that hair because they were like, oh, this drag queen, this fat drag queen has crazy white hair. Let's do that. And surprise, surprise, here she is. Icon. Um, 
I'm very excited to have you guys here. I love chatting with uh, other spooky gays. And you guys have done such an amazing job creating uh, a podcast that talks about spooky gay shit. You cover all kinds of ghost stories and true crime and and all kinds of things on your podcast. Do you have, uh, before we, because we're going to get into some, some spooky gay sh- We figured since we have you here, we would be good hosts. And share a good spooky story with you today but love before it. we do uh, we i'd love to get our listeners uh I'd, I'd love to let them know a little more about your podcast do you guys have a story that you've shared with each other on your show that you think you'll every time someone's like what's your favorite one that you've shared with each other what's the first one that pops into your head oh okay do you have something that comes to you first tyler for me right away it's the radium girls I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Oh, yeah. But it's yeah not yeah. so much a spooky ghost story, but just kind of like a spooky story from real life where yeah, people were and just super sad. <laughs> super sad. It's super fascinating because they were just these women that were unknowingly just poisoning themselves with radium mm-hmm. and they thought it was fabulous. You know, they were, yeah, they were like nails. licking the paintbrushes and shit. And then yeah. they're like, no, stop it. They painted their teeth when they were going out on the town, you know, to mm-hmm. look extra fabulous, which is a choice. I mean, really glowing teeth is a choice. I mean, it's kind of like early rave style, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm into yeah. that. Yeah. It's totally it. But that story just fascinates me because it's just so heartbreaking and also just so fucked up. Excuse my language. Oh yeah, I mean, have word. at it. We curse on the podcast here all the time, <laughs> so do not, do don't, not, don't f- hold back, yeah, perfect. don't hold back. Throw every punch, darling. <laughs> perfect. I love it. But yeah, that story just has fascinated me forever. I I can't get enough information about it. The thing that intrigues me the most is to know that some of the people who died from radium poisoning their bones are allegedly still like in their grave, just glowing, glowing green. Really? Yeah. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that part. has like a half-life of 10,000 years. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We so. sh- uh, I, I think, well, that would be desecration. No. So I know what you're saying. I, I was like, I yeah. want to know, but I was like, you can't just dig people up to be like, hey, are your bones still glowing? This uh, is- look at history. They do that quite often. Thank you. They've made a sport out of it. Yeah. They're like, haven't totally you watched true. the staircase? Come on. <laughs> uh, oh, we Johnny. Up. We locked up. Did oh, you lo- did we lose I just each heard, other? haven't we watched? Oh, I said, haven't we watched The Staircase? I mean, come on, people. Oh, my God. We it's love digging the up owls, a skeleton. You know? <laughs> and I would say also the biggest takeaway I had from The Staircase, not to derail, was just that it's always an owl. Exactly. Oh, my God. Exactly. When in doubt. I mean, we have we have said, we did the, a long discussion on the podcast about um, about The Staircase. And we did not come to a definitive answer about what happened Mm. but i think i think personally because i it is something that like really boggles my mind the only reason i i i was like okay i will entertain the owl theory is the owl feathers in her hands and hair i was like how else would they have gotten there right and this was before Steven Tyler was doing it as a fashion choice, right? Totally. Exactly. So, and she's not Steven like Tyler a, had oh, no idea about owl feathers. Not a clue. He, 
What were you going to say, Johnny? Oh, I was going to say she's not a scene girl psych- or a circa 2007, so she's not like heat pressing them into her hair either. So yeah, we're out. No, she's yeah. yeah, she's not buying dream catchers at a flea market. We the, this woman <laughs> has has never has never. No, uh, Johnny, did you do you have a, a favorite story that you've ever gotten to tell on your podcast? Well, I, I mean, at this point, I, right now, I'm kind of having that Mr. Burns moment where all the diseases are trying to get through the door and they're just blocked <laughs> because I'm like, oh, there, there are a few of them. But I would say that one of my personal favorites that stands out is the story of Cynthia the mannequin. Like, I've covered a lot of mannequin stories on the show where like people are using dead bodies as mannequins, etc., etc. I mean, mm-hmm. tale as old as time. But oh yeah, Cynthia the mannequin was a mannequin made by an artist named Lester Gabba, a queer artist uh, in the early 1930s, I think. And he was kind of a hit in New York window design because he created the Gabba girls. And they were all of these mannequins based on high society New York ladies at the time. But the thing is, Cynthia became such a hit that he started taking her out around town like his date. And I mean, because he was queer, she was also sort of a beard for him. So he would take her out to dinner parties and she had like a box at the opera. She had couture being sent to her like I, th- I think like milliners were sending her hats there was a spread on her in time magazine like she just like cynthia was a part of new york high society for a shake there and then basically after world war ii hit um lester gabba tried to you know bring cynthia back but you know the kitsch of the mannequin had kind of worn off so he tried to turn her into an automaton in the early 50s and that didn't really pan out it was kind of horrifying. <laughs> i can't imagine why <laughs> yeah, like Cynthia the Automaton didn't really work out on her own TV show. She couldn't really carry like Betty White could. So essentially, <laughs> um, they canned that horror show. And I think he like he's also known for like his soap carvings and things like that. But it's mm. just such an interesting little story of, of almost like cognitive dissonance where they're just kind of like, all right. It's this mannequin. And there's actually a, a great interview that I read uh, with somebody who worked at a cocktail party. At, like her mother was having friends over and she was serving drinks. And she was like, there was this beautiful woman that everyone was talking about that this guy Lester had brought with her because it, it was like back in his hometown. And she was like, oh, there's this gorgeous. Who is she? And then after a while, she realizes, oh, fuck, that's a mannequin. And people are just <laughs> partying with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you imagine if someone came to your apartment for, like, say you had Thanksgiving and everyone showed up and and your friend showed up in all earnest and was like, guys, this is Cynthia. She's a good friend of mine. And I'd really like if you would treat her kindly. Do well, you, did this happen to you? Well, Tyler, do you want to tell them or do I want to tell them about Silicon Cubines? Oh, okay. The short film that you made the first year that we were together in like, we, we did like a two rounds of art school respectively. We met at the end of our first uh, round of it. Yeah. So basically uh, I met Tyler and had to drive him to this situation. But Tyler, please fill in the blanks. Okay. So this is maybe the most, fucked up thing that I've ever experienced. But we <laughs> we had a project and we had to create a documentary where we just had to find a topic and make a short documentary about it. And around this time, a uh, classmate and I had learned about these things called teddy babes. Lawsuits. Remember lawsuits. Oh, I'm not going to say any Allegedly. names. Allegedly. I'm not going to say any names. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> but teddy babes are basically these fluffy companions that one can buy if they if they need it and uh through that we learned about this person who lived very nearby who was selling teddy babes 
And we thought that would be a perfect person to interview for our documentary. So we reached out to them. They agreed, invited us to their home, which was on the Bay of Funday in the middle of nowhere, which was the first red flag. Yeah. And then Johnny drove us out there for a day and we just spent a day with this person who had this collection of teddy babes. But beyond that, he also had um, Bianca Bianca from the movie Lars and the Real Girl. Yeah. Are you acquainted with this movie? (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) The actual prop. Mm -hmm. He had the one from the movie. Yeah. Tyler met a star that day. He met Bianca from Lars and the Real Girl. It was a movie star. Yeah. So he bought her. But she wasn't like fully equipped because she was a movie prop. Yeah. Yeah. So he decided to take her on a road trip from Canada all the way down to California Mm -hmm. to have her equipped with everything that he wanted her to be equipped with. And he filmed the whole process. Okay. Yeah. It's like a and buddy that was comedy. Your documentary. <laughs> yeah, and Just I a mean, man and his dolls. Well, and I mean, like she was one of many uh, silicone friends in the house. And mm-hmm. I mean, this was a married person that had a family, and you know, all that kind of stuff. But he also had a box of faces, yeah. and that was joyful, especially when Tyler put "Coin Operated Boy" by the Dresden Dolls over the intro. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. that was really the cherry <laughs> on top. Because that's because they have these faces and you can pop out their eyes and change their eye color. You can take their face off and put a different face on them. It's a whole thing. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I I, I can relate to somebody, you know, coming to Thanksgiving dinner with their their little friend. And the thing is, I mean, like, here's the thing. Live your truth. Like, we're not going to judge anyone. But it's the like, oh, I don't have sex with them, but I love her. Like that, like the double speak going on in the interviews was Mm. the thing that kind of made you go like, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Wait, yeah. he said he didn't have he, sex no, with her? No, none of it. None of it. No, he got he her fully swore. equipped. He drove to California to get her equipped, but didn't. For probably thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Thousands of dollars. Absolutely. Yes. Just yeah. because he liked the idea of her feeling better about herself. I would say yeah. so, yeah. That's, yeah, it was a self-esteem it. trip. <laughs> <laughs> it was like an eat, pray, love situation yeah. with a silicone love doll. Yeah, yeah he took her on a trip Which to find is herself. Literally. All three things I think he planned on doing with her. <laughs> yeah. They got matching vajazzles on their way home. And yeah. they were it was like a sister cop kind of thing. Yeah. Sister yeah. Cop. Eat, Pray Love is exactly the title I would have given that storyline. 100%. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. That's – well, listen, you guys don't have to be – you guys don't have to – you can be a little more uh, shy about it, but I'm going to say that's – that's a lot to process. <laughs> so, you know what? If they ever hear this, uh, you, we say no disrespect. We have nothing but uh, sweet no. dreams and hopes for good wishes and yeah. candy-colored uh, <laughs> fantasies in your future. I don't fucking know. Just don't sue us, please. Yeah, we, got, <laughs> we got nothing but a wiener dog in a dream. Like, don't come for my neck. Yeah, which is exactly how he met Bianca. He was like, he was like, he was like, guess what? All I've got is a wiener dog and a dream. And you're going to come with me to California. Yeah. And a tank full of gas, baby. You and me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's so exciting. I do hope that, uh, I hope that anyone listening will go and check out those episodes because any of the mannequin episodes sound crazy to me and I will, I will be definitely be giving them a shot myself. Oh yeah. And, Radium Girls is just a great uh, – it's a story that I think anyone who's into true crime should know. 100%. Uh, and and it's, uh, it's strange because it's like not even – it's not technically what I would consider true crime. It's more like corporate crime. It's like 
weird history. Weird know. history. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of that bizarre, uh, bizarre place where, where the early, anything before like 1950 was just a shit show and nobody knew what was happening. Absolutely. Yeah. It yeah. was, it was just experimental science and free jazz. And like, have they made a movie <laughs> about the radium girls? They have There's a, a few play. times. Yeah, the, yeah, I'm sure play. there must be movies. There's a there's a play called Radium Girls, and that was how yeah. I became familiar with the story. Uh, I'm sure there must be a movie. I there's somewhere there has to be one in the works at least starring Zendaya. Or yeah, I think they, like they released one quietly yeah. during the pandemic. Oh, really? Yeah, but I haven't seen it. Okay, w- was it like a Lifetime movie? Oh no, it wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> It was straight to VHS. Straight to um, it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we are so excited to have you guys here. We're, we're going to do one of our famous, but anyways, uh, <laughs> we are very excited to have you guys here because we love chatting with spooky people, uh, especially about spooky shit. So we thought it would be fun today to bring you guys on to chat about a little something. We are kind of... uh well versed in this is this is some local new jersey folklore we thought since we have spooky people on let's tell a spooky ghost story we have told so many of our ghost stories here on the podcast because we grew up in a haunted house and uh, and all that fun stuff so one day we'll tell you all the stories of the house but there's one story that we have never told on the podcast probably because it's the craziest uh and it is one that I think I've always been a little shy about telling because I think people are going to think I have like 10 heads for just for even telling this story. But it is something that actually happened to us. Uh, we're going to be talking about a little place here in New Jersey called Blair's Den. And Blair's Den is a, a really famous estate here in New Jersey. Uh, and Sam is going to give us a little backstory on Blair's Den and what it is. And then we're going to tell you our, our spooky story and how it relates. Um, have you guys heard of Blair's Den before? By no. any chance? It is. Um, I, I, I'm not surprised because it's not like a world famous haunt, but it is, it is pretty well known here in New Jersey. It has been featured in weird New Jersey uh, several times. And there are several reasons why, <laughs> uh, but I don't want to. I don't want to steal anything. For I don't want to steal your spotlight, Sam oh, Baxter. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let Sam tell you a little bit about Blair's Den, and then we'll get into our ghost story. My whole twenty minutes of research that I did last night. I didn't <laughs> <know why. laughs> no, it was thirty minutes. I'll be nice. No, but um, <clears throat> Blair's Den is a thirty-one bed, nineteen bath house with twenty-six fireplaces, an indoor squash court a 300-square-foot reflecting pool, and its own private dam on the grounds, which turns the Raritan River into Ravine Lake. Ooh. It was built in 1898 in Gladstone, Peapack, New Jersey. I'm saying where it is, but I'm going to lead off by saying that there are people who patrol this place and trespassing is illegal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is private, so no, private uh, property. no urban exing. No. no. <laughs> Um, The estate was originally 550 acres, had a two-story stable with an elevator in it. (laughs) For the the horses. horses. (laughs) My God. Well, you know what? Yeah, they don't like stairs. Known fact. (laughs) Apparently not. Yeah, they tire at the first landing, let's just say. (laughs) And this is a good time to tell you I'm half horse, I suppose. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, sister, I never knew. <laughs> I also tire at the first landing. Oh my god, here you. Anyway, um, yeah, no. So this gigantic estate required seventy staff members to keep it up and running. The gentleman who built it, Mr. Clinton Blair, lived there with his wife and daughters until his death in 1949, at which point his widow and children decided to sell the property as they could no longer maintain it. So like you do, they sold it to the Sisters of St. John the Baptist for $65,000, which translates to less than seven hundred and fifty grand today. Oh, wow. That's a deal. Yeah, it was a yeah. really, really good deal. For the Sisters <laughs> yeah. of St. John the Baptist. Isn't it funny the way that always works out? Well, you don't want to screw over the nuns, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Not unless you're every other part of the story. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so the nuns owned Blair's then until 2002, using it as a quote-unquote religious retreat. Then they sold it to the Foundation for Classical Architecture, but no one moved into the mansion. The foundation eventually sold the mansion to T. Eric Holloway in 2012, and Blair's End is once again a private residence. Again, trespassing is forbidden, and you will be arrested and fined if you try to go there uninvited. The Bernard's police are constantly arresting people trying to get close. They arrest something like, I looked up the stats, it's something like four or five people a month. Oh, really? Dragged it into court for trying to get onto this place. Hmm. So that's the dry, boring-ass history of it. This is the folklore. I do feel the need to preface this by saying there is absolutely zero evidence that any of this ever happened, but this is what everyone in Bernard's Township says happened. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, that's how it is with a lot of this stuff at the end of the day. And it's, sometimes it's worthwhile just to acknowledge, like, the campfire story of it all. Like, that's as long as it's something that's, like, out there in public consciousness, it's still a thing that you can, like, mm-hmm. wrap your hands around. So, yeah, I'm into it. Okay. Oh, absolutely. And facts the be funny damned. thing of <laughs> facts be damned, that's kind of the beauty of of loving ghost stories is is kind of being okay with suspending some disbelief, I think. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so anyway, here's the legend. Da, 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 da. The legend goes that at some point in the 60s, the sisters of St. John the Baptist were running an orphanage at Blairsden. The total population of the grounds being 25 nuns, 25 orphans, and about 10 groundskeepers slash staff. So one day, the local grocery boy was trying to deliver the nuns' weekly order to the back gate of the mansion. The mother superior, who usually met him there, was nowhere to be seen. He thought nothing of it, assumed she just forgot, left the groceries, and went on his way. When he returned the next week, however, not only was the mother superior nowhere to be found again, but the rotted remains of the food he'd left still littered the path. Now concerned, he called the local police to investigate. And as always happens when you call the local police to investigate, hopefully they find something. And once they arrived on the grounds, they discovered a grisly, unbelievable scene. All 25 nuns had been dismembered, their various parts strewn about the interior of the mansion. Oh my god. Horrifying enough. (laughs) However, (laughs) (laughs) when they searched the grounds, they also found the remains of the 25 orphans and 10 staff. The children were found floating in the lake. The staff had also been dismembered. The only adult who was intact was the mother superior who appeared to have hanged herself. So the police never figured out exactly what happened at Blair's End and to this day won't talk about the massacre. There are two theories, however, from the locals. One, the mother superior was actually a Satanist slash pagan and had to sacrifice the children in an attempt to appease Satan slash some other god. And she tried to convert her (laughs) fellow sisters and the groundskeepers. They all refused and she tortured and murdered them before hanging herself. 
Whoa. They love to hang shit on the necks of the pagans. God yeah, they really damn. Do. For real. And just, I love the idea of this like one lone pagan being like, come on. <laughs> so the second theory is the mother superior upon walking into the woods one day was possessed by a dark entity that forced her to murder everyone in the mansion and then take her own life. There is a place nearby called the devil's tomb. And that's considered the most likely source of the entity. Okay. Now for the hauntings. There are two main ghosts that one is supposed to be able to see at Blair's Den. The first is the ghost of one of the groundskeepers who was tortured and killed by the mother superior. He is a warning ghost or harbinger there to scare you away for your own good. He is said to haunt the main path to the mansion and will appear to frighten you where two trees cross each other, making a doorway over the path. The second is the mother superior herself who can be found if you make it to the mansion proper. She is said to be most frequently seen at the bottom of the steps to the door, enticing visitors inside in order to mutilate them. There are other stories as well. People claim to have seen other nuns on the property and heard the sounds of children screaming near the lake. There are rumors of cult slash coven activity on the grounds, none of which has ever been substantiated. The new owners are extremely private, but have gone out of their way to tell people that the estate is not haunted, presumably to discourage trespassing. (laughs) While again, there is no evidence to substantiate the legends, there is a lot of witness testimony, including our own. Take it away, pissy. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to share a ghost story that we have never shared on the podcast since it is the end of the 13 weeks of Halloween and we wanted to go out with a bang. We uh, have chosen to tell the story of what happened when we visited Blair's Den. Oh, you um, went there. Okay, so the statute of limitations has passed. You can now talk about your, yeah. <laughs> your trespassing. This was a long time. Actually, okay. what's funny about this is that technically at the time, we did not trespass. Oh, Technically oh. not. Technically, okay. we did not. We, uh, we ended up... Um, not going into the house. And I'll tell you why as part of the story. But we're going to do something even more fun to uh, to enjoy the 13 weeks of Halloween. We prepared a little audio drama for you. So get ready, kids. I am going to tell you the story of the spooky gay family's trip to Blair's Den. Enjoy. This is the story of Blair's Den, a Barbara Duel audio production narrated by Pissy Miles. So I'm going to tell you all a very true story of something that actually happened to all of the siblings in my spooky gay family. This is a real ghost story. It is something we all actually experienced many, many years ago. And we've never told this story on the podcast before. Up until this point, I had always been a little hesitant about sharing this story because it is a little hard to believe. It is something that I've always kind of felt a little bit hesitant about sharing mostly because there are differing opinions of what happened even within the siblings we all kind of had a different experience that night some people saw part of 
what I'm going to tell you, some people saw none of what I'm going to tell you, and some people saw all of what I'm going to tell you, but we were all in the car, we were all there, and this is something that actually happened to us. Normally, since this is my most extravagant story, I only tell this story on Halloween at night in a cemetery. I used to have very strict rules about telling this story because I think that to appreciate it, the mood needs to be right. You need to be listening in the dark when it's a little bit spooky out, when there's a chill in the air. So if you're listening, please turn down the lights, relax on the couch, light a candle, and enjoy the story. This story takes place uh, a long time ago. It happened a long time ago, probably longer than I'd like to admit. I was only about 15 years old at the time this happened, so that would have made Jessica about 22, Sam would have been 17, and Bob and Kevin would have been 13. Uh, it was right around the Halloween season, and you know that my spooky gay family siblings, we all love something a little spooky. We all love something creepy to do around this time of year. So we had been talking to uh, Carmen, Jessica's fiance at the time, now husband, and Carmen had said, well, if you're looking for something spooky to do, we should go to Blair's Den. And we were like, what's Blair's Den? And Carmen told us the stories of his visit to Blair's Den. Blair's Den is an estate. I can't say a mansion. It is a full-on estate. It is a very, very large property in Peapack, Gladstone, New Jersey that has always been privately owned. It is massive. It is incomparable to any property I've ever been on, to say the least. Massive, massive building on huge, expansive grounds. And as I said, it is private property. It is not a an attraction. It is not a place that sells tickets. You can't go and visit. As a matter of fact, it is very strictly patrolled to the point where you can be arrested just for visiting this place. You are not supposed to go. So Carmen had told us many times because Carmen <laughs> did have a bit of a, 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 what's the best word for it? He definitely had a bit of a bad streak in his youth. He loved to get himself into a bit of trouble. So Carmen and his friends had visited Blair's Den on several occasions. He used to be a paramedic, and so he would go with his friends from the rescue squad to Blair's Den, sometimes even in the ambulances. And he had told us stories about seeing all kinds of weird phenomenon and ghosts at this place. He would say he'd seen 
the spirit of a nun beckoning him into the house. He would say that he had seen, uh, he had had a friend standing next to him. And when he turned to look at his friend, his friend was gone. And there was a cloaked figure standing next to him that as soon as he turned, dropped to all fours and skittered away on its hands and and feet. So Carmen had, Carmen had made it very clear that this was a very spooky place. As a matter of fact, he had gone once with a member of the rescue squad who claimed to be psychic, and the friend who was psychic became so overwhelmed by whatever he was feeling, he was unable to get off of the ambulance to even go on the property. So when Carmen suggested that we all go to Blair's Den, we, the spooky gay family, immediately said, of course, let's go. So we made plans to go to Blair's Den on a Sunday night, and it actually happened to be the Sunday of my confirmation, back when we were still a practicing Catholic family. Uh, We planned it on the night of my confirmation, I, of course, had no objection. I was like, sure, I'll take all the protection I can get. And the day of my confirmation, Carmen was my sponsor. And so we spent the day at the church. And then afterwards, we went home and started to get ready. It was October. It was very near Halloween. we went back and changed and got our flashlights and things and we all kind of sat down on the couch and watched the 13 weeks or i'm sorry the 13 days of halloween on abc family while carmen and jess went home to change and come back and while we were waiting for them it was kind of a nervous tension everyone was excited but a little bit scared of what we might see because As far as we knew, this place was crazy haunted, so we didn't know what to expect going into this. When Carmen and Jess finally got there, we piled out of the house and into the car very excitedly, although Bob and Kevin were clearly apprehensive. They were a bit shaken up. Kevin was not even sure he wanted to go anymore. (laughs) And we all said, Kevin, no, you have to get in the car. We're going on this spooky road trip and we're going to have a great time. So we forced him into the car. And it's important to know where everyone was sitting in the car for the purposes of the story. So we were taking dad's van he let us borrow his van which was this giant green monstrosity of an oldsmobile van and we used to call it uh the spaceship or the x-wing because the windshield was massive it was this big sweeping windshield and on either side there were these little glass panels that made it easier to see Uh, the blind spots, but it looked from the inside like you were sitting in an X-Wing from Star Wars. So we called it the X-Wing or the spaceship because it really was just a a massive hunk of metal that was slow to start and slow to stop. It didn't matter what you were trying to do with it. So 
we all piled into the car. Carmen was driving, so he was in the front left. Jessica was next to him in the passenger seat. And then in the center row of seats were uh, me and Sam. I sat on the left, Sam on the right. And then behind us were Bob and Kevin. Kevin on the left, Bob on the right. So Carmen and Jess in the first row, Sam and I in the second, and Bob and Kevin in the back, which in retrospect was probably not the best place to put the most easily spooked members of the family. So we started on our little trip and Carmen said, there's a story that goes along with this place, but I can't tell it to you yet because you need to see it as I'm telling it to you. And we were like, well, okay, we can, we can wait. So we sat in pretty relative silence. No one was really talking on the highway as we drove for, for a while. It felt like forever. It was probably only about 20 minutes, but we probably had the radio on. I, I have no recollection of music. It seemed so deadly quiet. It, everyone was just eagerly waiting for the stories to, to start. And the sun was starting to set and it was kind of becoming the, the witching hour. And so we were, we were very much ready to get the ball rolling. And as we were kind of starting to get a little bit restless, the sun was just about down and we had pulled off the highway and now we were in kind of a more wooded rural area of New Jersey. The houses were farther apart. There were a lot more trees and shrubbery in between the houses and things were just getting a little bit more secluded. It was getting darker and there were no streetlights anywhere. So as we're driving down the road, it's getting darker, and Carmen says, okay, I can start to tell you the story. A long time ago, early on in Blair, Blairstown settlement, there was a church, and there was, uh, there was some goings-on about town that made the church very important. Members of the community were experiencing paranormal phenomenon, things that they assumed to be demons or uh, spirits, things that were malevolent and unpleasant. And so the church was called upon to address the situation. And the first thing they did to try to address it was uh, they looked out into the field across from the church. There was a big wide open field and in the middle of the field, there was a tree. And so into the tree, they carved a figure of Jesus. And they did it with the hopes that carving this, this statue of Jesus would scare away any of the evil spirits or demons or devils that were bothering people. Unfortunately, over time, the statue grew horns and fangs and began to look like a demon. As he told us this, Carmen slowed the car a bit and turned to the left. And as he did, we were pulling into a driveway 
and we realized it was for a very old-looking church. And he turned the car around so that it was facing the end of the driveway, and the headlights were pointing out across the street. As he did this, we could see across the street there was a very old wooden fence along the street and a wide open field behind it and out in the middle of the field a very tall wooden statue. He said, before you can go anywhere near Blair's Den, you need to see the statue of Jesus for two reasons. A, seeing it will protect you, and B, it's a kind of litmus test for the night you're going to have. If you see Jesus, you're probably going to have a little bit of an easier night. You probably won't see as much crazy activity, but if you see the devil, things are probably gonna be a little rough. And then he said, who wants to get out and see the statue? And Sam and I were like, yes, please. We'll get out of the car. And Kevin and Bob immediately were like, absolutely not. Do not get out of the car. We cannot get out of the car. Screaming, no, we cannot get out. And Sam and I said, no, we're going to get out. We're going to see the statue. So we followed Carmen out of the car. We walked to the end of the driveway and across the street. And we walked up to the rickety wooden fence. And Carmen had a flashlight with him. And he said, okay, are you ready? And we said, yes. And he shined the light out into the field onto the face of the Jesus statue. It had one hand uh, protruding up towards the sky and the other down, I believe, by its side. And he shined the light on the face. And I will never forget, it looked from a distance like the statue had horns and fangs and had a very eerie look on its face, kind of a malicious, malevolent look on its face. And I still get chills thinking about it. And so I looked at Sam and I said, well, I guess this is gonna be a long night. And we walked back across the street and into the car and we said, you guys are up. And Jess was like, you have to go, you have to go. So Bob and Kevin got out of the car and followed Carmen across the street and we sat and watched them from the car and we watched them walk down to the end of the driveway, cross the street and up to the fence. We saw Carmen shine the light on the statue's face and then immediately saw Kevin throw his arms in the air, turn and bolt without looking across the road and back to the car, Bob shortly behind him. And they got back to the car, climbed in, and they were like, guys, we cannot go, we cannot go. It's gonna be scary, we can't do this. And we were like, it's fine, don't worry, everything is fine. And Jessica had said, she was like, listen, we have been here, I can tell you, it is not a an attraction. We have been here during the day, we've been here at night. During the day, you can see strange things. You can see claw marks in the trees and rocks around the area. The people here don't even like you being here because it, it's private property. All these small houses hate having people around. And uh, she was like, this is something you guys need to see. This is exciting. It's fun and it's different. And Carmen got back in the car 
And he was like, okay, are you ready to keep moving? And we all, for the most part, agreed. (laughs) And he pulled out of the driveway and continued on. Next, he said, the church decided this evil was uh, incomparable to anything they'd ever seen before. So the only thing they could think to do was to try to lure the devil out into the woods and to trap him in a building with no doors and no windows. And so they set about on a plan to do that. They, 13 priests went out into the woods one night and lured the devil out into a clearing, trapped him, chained him down, and built a building around him with no doors and no windows, and they made it out of stone. This is apparently called the Devil's Tomb. Everyone thought that that would be the end of things, but over time, it turned out that the priests who had been involved in the process uh, were turned evil, and they began to uh, commit atrocities, and they tried to escape by running into the woods, but they were captured by the townsfolk. They were executed, and they were buried uh, along the road, and uh, their graves were paved over. And as he said that, we were driving through the dark, and suddenly the roads started to rise and fall, rise and fall, rise and fall. And we were like, what is going on? And he was like, these are the graves of the priests who were captured. And we counted the bumps to prove that he was right. And we only came to about 11. And we said, well, there's only 11 graves, but there were 13 priests. And he said, well, not all of the priests were caught. So after this happened, the nuns in the convent decided that the only way to remain safe and to serve the community was to move into the giant mansion in town. It was called Blair's Den. And they did this because Blair's Den was across uh, a running body of water from town. And it was believed at the time that demons could not cross a running body of water. So the nuns moved into Blair's Den away from most of the community and the mother superior set it up with a page boy so that every night or every day I should say the page boy would come and meet the mother superior and he would bring her her mail and messages and groceries and be her errand runner so a few days in the page boy came to meet the mother superior at the end of the bridge where he was supposed to and the mother superior didn't show up and the boy thought it was strange but thought maybe she was caught up with something so he left after a short time and decided he would come back the next day when he came back the mother superior again failed to meet him so he went and got the police And when they went up to Blair's Den, it turned out that the Mother Superior had murdered all of the other nuns, had massacred all of them in the Great Hall, and taken her own life. And it's said that now the ghost of the Mother Superior haunts Blair's Den, and that 
she will try to lure you up into the mansion where she will murder you. It was now fully dark and we were all a bit scared. It was a very spooky night and we were driving along and Carmen said, I'm going to take you to Blair's den. But before we go, we're going to make a stop at the devil's tomb. And we were driving along the road. It was very dark, no houses, just woods. And Carmen and Jess sitting in the front seat were like, whoa. And we, we, we said, what? What's, what's the matter? And they said, it, it looked like some kind of a light just shot across the road in front of us, a red light. And we were like, well, that's strange. And they were like, yeah, it didn't look like a car light or a reflection. It looked like a light that went very quickly across the road. And we were all trying to figure out what it could have been when Kevin said, guys. And we were like, what, Kevin? (laughs) And he said, the deer are looking at me. And we were like, what? And he said, the deer are looking at me from outside. And we said, Kevin, I think they're just watching the car pass. And he said, no, they were looking at me. And we said, Kevin, you need to relax. I I think you're getting a little spooked. So Kevin was not easy to calm after that. And he, uh, he kind of remained on edge for the rest of the ride, but We were on our way to the devil's tomb when Carmen said, there's something you should know. The house is not currently occupied, but supposedly there is a cult that practices up there. So if you see lights up there of any kind, torches specifically, you should let me know because that will mean we can't go up. And we we said, okay, (laughs) we'll keep an eye out. So Carmen kept driving along the road and I was watching, you could see in the distance, uh, the area where the house was across the water and, uh, it looked pretty dark to me. So I said, okay, I guess we're going to be able to go on this spooky little expedition tonight. And, uh, as we were driving, we came to a very dark area and suddenly Carmen kind of veered off the road just slightly and then turned the car so it was just about perpendicular with the road. The car was facing out into the road so the lights were pointing out into the woods across from us. And that was when we saw a stone building. It was about 10 feet tall. It was flat on top. It was made of stone and it was surrounded by trees and fully dark and there were no doors and no windows. Carmen said, this is the devil's tomb. Would anyone like to get out and see it? And Sam immediately volunteered. I said maybe it wasn't such a great idea. And Bob and Kevin lost their minds. They said, we cannot get out of the car. We cannot get out. Who knows what's out there? this is terrible, this is a terrible idea, and Jess said, I don't know, 
maybe it's not such a great idea with Bob and Kevin. And Carmen said, no, I promise everything's okay. We're going to be fine. And Bob and Kevin said, no, no one can get out of the car. No one gets out. No one gets out. And so Carmen said, all right, that's fine. We, we don't have to get out of the car. We are going to be on our way to Blair's Den, though. And we said, okay, that's fine. No one has to get out of the car. Sam was very disappointed. And as we were getting ready to pull away, Carmen looked out Jessica's window, which was closest to the devil's tomb. And he said, what's that? And we said, what's what? And he said, out, up there, what is that? And we said, I, I can't see anything. There's no light. We, th we can't see what you're pointing at. And he said, Jessica, open your window. And Kevin said, do not open your window. I swear to God, do not open your window. And Jess said, I don't think it's a great idea. But Carmen said, I, I, you don't have to open it all the way. Just open it enough. I can't shine the flashlight because there's a glare on the window I can't see. So she agreed and rolled her window down. Uh, and he shined his light up on top of the devil's tomb. And when he shined it up there, I saw what looked like someone crouching on top, laying on their stomach with both hands pressed on the roof and looking at the car. It looked like a small, very pale person, probably a little boy, if I had to guess. And when he shined the light up on top of the devil's tomb, it seemed to kind of retreat a bit staring at the car uh, and turn and kind of crawl over the back all very quickly and I said I don't like that and Carmen said don't like what I couldn't really see much uh, and there was a big discussion about what was going on because some people had seen things some people hadn't and there was a, a pretty animated discussion happening in the car when Kevin said, guys, and we said, what Kevin? And he said, there's something scratching on the back of the car. And we said, Kevin, don't fuck around. This is not funny. What is going on? And he said, no, I'm not kidding. Something is scratching on the back of the car. And Carmen said, okay, okay and Jess rolled up her window and he said we're gonna move along and he started the car and we proceeded down the road he said you know things are pretty active tonight uh this has been a bit crazy and as we were driving I was looking through the woods towards where Blair's den would have been and I started to see little lights it almost looked like they were on a path going up towards the house and I said, Carmen, I, I see lights, and it looks a little bit like torches. And he said, okay, so we cannot go up to the house tonight, but we should go and see the bridge. At the very least, you need to see the bridge because that's as close as we're going to get to the main attraction tonight. And Kevin said, I don't want to see the bridge. I'm done. This is too much. And Bob was dead quiet basically the whole time agreeing silently with Kevin and we were like okay we can go see the bridge 
even though Kevin doesn't want to, let's go, let's just go see the bridge. At least then we'll have seen part of what we came to see and then we can go. So we continued to drive through the dark. Again, no street lights. You could only see where the lights of the car were shining. It was very difficult to see out into the woods. And we turned down a, a road that immediately curved, a very hard curve, basically a 90 degree angle. The road was shaped like a rounded L and it, there was woods all around, but on the right side of the car, in basically the inner corner of the L, imagine where the small leg would meet the big leg, right on that inner corner, on a diagonal, was a small clearing in the woods and a large iron gate with a ram's head on it. And in front of the gate was a small uh, like steel barrier, kind of like a, like a road median that you would see on the highway. And it was just a, a few feet wide, maybe six or eight feet wide. Uh, and it basically said there was a big sign on the gate that said private property, no trespassing. And so we pulled into the curve so that the car was parallel to the gate. And Carmen said, this is the gate to the bridge to get up to Blairsden. Normally what we would do is we would take the bridge across the water and we would go up to the house. Unfortunately, that is not possible tonight. I think because things are a little too crazy. But if you want, we could get out and have a look at the bridge. And I said, I don't think so. For the first time tonight, I agreed with Kevin, who was in the back having a conniption. Sam, however, was about ready to get out. She said she'd like to see it. And Jess was basically Switzerland. She said, I don't think it's such a good idea if we get out of the car. I don't know if this is a good idea. I, I'm not really feeling this. And Carmen said, all right, fine. I, I guess we don't have to get out, but you know, this is what we came to see. I hope, I hope this was worth it. And I was definitely spooked. It was very creepy. And there was kind of an air about the area that was very off. Something just felt terribly unright. And so we were all kind of sitting there looking at the bridge and, and chatting and Carmen said, what's that? And the conversation came to a grinding halt and we said, what's what? And he said, in the woods next to the gate, what is that? And we said, I, I don't see anything. What, what do you see? And he said, is that a, is that a person? And we immediately all turned to look into the woods, but we couldn't see anything. It was too dark. And Carmen said, I can't see. Jess, roll down your window a little bit and I'll shine my flashlight. And we were, we all pretty much agreed that was a bad idea. And Jess said, I don't think that's a good, and he said, just a crack. I, I, I can't see with the glare. I need you to roll the window down just a little bit. And so she rolled her window down about a, a little less than halfway. And, uh, and she said, I, uh, this is as far as I'm going to go. And he shined the light out towards the woods. 
And as he did, just as the light reached the edge of the woods, immediately it looked like something came running out of the woods at the car. It all happened very fast, but there was what I saw was a dark shadow. It looked like a a hooded figure, a robed figure, running towards the car at full speed, but it wasn't running like a person. It was running almost like an ape, the knuckles dragging on the ground and then the feet towing after and the knuckles and then the feet and then the knuckles and the feet, almost like one of the monkeys from the Wizard of Oz. And it was running directly at Jessica's open window. Carmen screamed, oh shit. And that was when everyone lost it. And he dropped the flashlight and gunned it as fast as he could in the van. And we took off around the curve. Everyone was screaming, oh my God, what just happened? What what did we see? What was that? Oh my God, I, I can't see anything. And that was when Kevin started chanting, I want to go to my happy place. I want to go to my happy place. And he started repeating our address over and over again. Bob was sitting in the back with his head against the back of Sam's seat, basically between his knees. I was in complete shock. And I, I think Jess was just flabbergasted. I don't think she knew what had happened. It was all kind of a, a blur. It happened so fast. And we were driving home, and once we got back onto the highway, it, it was like, oh my god, what was that? Suddenly we could ease up a little bit, and there was nervous laughter, and we started to joke around and tease Kevin, of course. And everyone, uh, everyone was a, a bit shaken up, but very excited. This was probably one of the spookiest things that had ever happened to us. And so we were laughing and joking the entire way home. And finally, we arrived back at the house, we pulled into the driveway, and we all piled back out of the car, and we were saying, oh my god, can you believe that happened? And did you see that? Did you? What did you see? Well, this is what I saw. And everyone kind of started back up the steps of the house, and uh, I, I don't remember what made us turn, but someone looked, and Kevin was standing behind the car. And we said, Kevin, what are you doing? <laughs> And he looked kind of pale and shaken, and he was like, you guys need to see this. So we all walked back down the stairs from the stoop and onto the driveway, and we walked to where he was standing behind the car, and we looked, and all over the back of the car, near where Bob and Kevin had been sitting, were handprints all over the windshield and the back of the car, just these solid handprints all over the back of the car. And then on the side window next to where Kevin was sitting, there was another huge handprint that looked like a human hand with fingers double the length, just long fingers, but a solid palm print that looked like it had grabbed at the window. It was just pressed against the window, right where Kevin's face would have been. And so we suddenly realized maybe something had been scratching on the back of the car. And that's the story of our trip to Blairsden.
So what'd you guys think? (laughs) (laughs) That's a loaded question. Yeah. It's a lot of story. And I have always been very shy about sharing this story on the podcast. A, because there's contention even amongst the siblings about what we saw and when. And uh, it, it is a very crazy story. So I understand there are probably going to be people who think it's a little wild, but it is my experience of the uh, of the area at Blair's Den. And there are certain things that we can say for a fact happened or didn't happen or were true and weren't true. The handprints on the windows were real. We all saw okay. them. Yeah. Am I am I wrong? No, no, we did. We all saw them. Um, and so there there are handprints that we've all seen. Uh, we all. At least Sam and I have been back to Blair's Den um, afterward, and we do not recommend that because it is a private property. Mm-hmm. But we have both been back. I showed you. Th- I've been back during the day, and I've seen pictures of the Devil's Tomb. I've I've been to the Devil's Tomb. I took those pictures of the Devil's Tomb. Uh, I've visited the the Christ statue. I visited um, the gate again. Uh, in the not so distant past, although I don't have a picture of the gate. Um, it is a crazy place. We've been out of the car and around the devil's tomb. There are no windows. There are no doors. There is, according to photos that we've seen online, a hole in the top of the building, but there is no ladder to get in or out. And it's it's a tall building. It's like 10 or 11 feet um, tall. Right. And there's just... So to get... Yeah, to get on top, you ha- there's no ladder to get on top of the roof either. Um, you'd have there's a tree nearby that uh, the person who took those photos claimed they climbed the tree and jumped onto the top of the devil's tomb. But then so, that leads you to believe that the devil has broken out, right? Because there's a hole in the top. Supposedly, okay. Supposedly, although I do believe the hole looks manufactured. Oh, so um, I don't know. Maybe it's that someone let him out. Maybe the <laughs> devil has a skylight, though. Like maybe the devil can't. Ma- jump. You know, yeah. it's mm-hmm. also possible. Yeah, everyone needs some luxury. It's, even the devil. Yeah, even the devil has taste at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, <laughs> but there's like yeah. this this devil's tomb. There's literally no other explanation as to why this random structure is in the middle of the woods. No super reasonable explanation. Some people have, because Peapack Gladstone is uh, uh, an old, old town. Mm-hmm. Yes. There is some, uh, there is some speculation that it could have been a storage facility of some kind, like almost like a silo, but there's no way to get things out right. without cr- climbing the tree to get on top. And it's not like there's a deteriorated ladder or a place where a ladder might've been. There's nothing there to get on top of the the building and no way to get things out from the bottom. So I don't know if it's a super feasible explanation. Yeah. It's I I personally cannot explain it. And I've been back during the day as I said with Sam and we've both seen there are um like gouges in the rock. Ooh. And there were even pieces of the devil's tomb that were kind of on the ground around oh, it. Oh, did you take a piece with and you? I did. Oh. Okay, look, we're um, there with but you. But this was back. <laughs> this was back when we lived in our original haunted house. So I was like, "How much worse could it get?" So I right. took I took a piece of the devil's tomb. Eventually, when the hauntings in our house did get pretty spooky, I took that piece of the devil's tomb out of my 
uh, I, ke- I kept it in my dresser, like my underwear drawer, mm-hmm. and I threw it out into the woods behind our oh my house. God. Well, not to derail, but we have a piece of Alistair Crowley's Boleskine House. Um, because, Do yeah, you really? Well, it burnt down, and then the Boleskine House Foundation has sold pieces of rock that were part of the building and charred wood. So we have mm. like a, a 10 by... It's like probably a one by three, but about a 10 inch cut of it uh, mm. that was actually charred oh, wow. remains of Boleskine House where Alistair Crowley famously aborted the Abermelon ritual and then Jimmy Page lived in. And some people believe it's even how the Loch Ness Monster was conjured up. But it's a, it's a notoriously <laughs> spooky house. But we actually had the piece of wood in our apartment. And funny enough, we kept having like the weirdest luck after we got it. But ever since it's been under glass, we haven't had anything strange. Although the plant next to it did die rather quickly. Yeah, but that's more. Really? Of, uh... It's a volatile calla lily. So at the end yeah. of the day, I mean, yeah. But I like to think it's Alistair Crowley. Yeah. I'm going with Alistair Crowley. Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. Yeah. But how crazy. But that's wild. So you ended up, but you ended up ditching the piece of the Devil's Tomb afterward? I did. I kept it for like a year. I had it uh, in my dresser for about a year. Now, presumably, it's somewhere in the woods behind our, our childhood house. Uh, I can't imagine where it would have gone, but I also can't imagine that it's still sitting there in plain oh sight. So I, I imagine the dramatic, uh, uh, like ejection of it. Have you seen the new Halloween yet? Halloween kills. Yes. <laughs> I just imagine evil dies tonight. Yeah. <laughs> into the woods. yeah. It wasn't quite that, although I yeah. do have a penchant for the dramatic, yeah. uh, I, it wasn't that dramatic. I was just like, fuck this. I grabbed it and I walked out onto our deck and I was just like, gone. <laughs> did you find that made a and difference in the activity? in your no. Home? no. Oh no. No, because I, we actually have a theory that um, the hauntings in our childhood home were linked to something else, but we, we don't really talk about it on the podcast. Totally fair. <laughs> totally it's a family fair. Maybe one day if we're feeling generous and particularly hateful, uh, we'll share You're like Tyler, Tyler and the sex doll. <laughs> You're like worried that you're going to get sued by the ghosts. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay, basically. I have to say though, Kevin and the deer, like not only is that a great children's book and you should <laughs> consider that for the future, but Kevin, Kevin and the and deer, the deer yes. like those deer, a like first thing, as long as Kevin wasn't like, oh, look at the deer. They're looking at me. You know, like as long as it wasn't that kind of a situation and he wasn't completely being shaggy about it. Um, the deer looking at him, like try to tell me that those aren't the ghosts of the priest inhabiting the bodies of deer. Mm-hmm. they're just like warning yeah. people off or mm-hmm. or the deer priests even... they're just like they're coming the deer priests we better let yeah, mother well, superior I mean, know yeah yeah i mean to be fair they did have the little white collars so maybe it's on us maybe they just, maybe it was the deer priests. you were all like oh, oh my god the deers are yeah. looking at you yeah makes sense sorry for anybody that can't see in this the audio medium um i i'm doing a, a accompanied by a bong hit motion a bong yeah, yeah. it is a bong yeah. hit uh no i don't think anyone that particular night was uh was affected by any kind of drugs but i will say that uh it would have probably been a lot more fun on drugs right well, or more terrifying. <laughs> there's always uh, there's always tomorrow. I mean, come on. There's always tomorrow. And what's funny is where I live, and I suppose where Sam lives now too, we are not far from Blair's Den. And most of the things like the Devil's Tomb and the 13 Bumps and the church and the Jesus statue can actually still be seen. They are relatively public. 
technically they are private property. I mean, obviously it's a church and uh, the devil's tomb I, I'm presuming is on somebody's mm-hmm. land, but um, and imagine that I don't like I don't, imagine being the person that owns the devil's tomb. <laughs> I'd You're love like, to like, I'd put down. up a fence around yeah. it. I'd bless the shit out of that. Um, I I don't know what I would do, but it is still technically vis- visitable. But you should be respectful of the owners. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> well, and you can take in the uh, the Jesus statue, which honestly kind of looks like the first round of that really creepy Lucille Ball statue that they ended up having to take down. Yeah. Um, which honestly, if you saw it in different light, it could either look like Jesus or the devil. So it kind of works. But like, is that far enough away that you can kind of see from the road, or are you still up in somebody's private property to see that? No, you. It it the church is across the street from this giant field. Um, so you could technically park at the church and walk across the street and see the statue Ooh. from the street. Yeah. So if you ever find yourselves in New Jersey, come on down and we'll show you some really creepy shit. Oh, I'm weird. into <laughs> it. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, uh, Sam, I actually have a question for you. When you were at the okay. bridge and you were the only person that wanted yeah. to go out, how disappointed were you that yeah. you were not allowed to go out of the van? <laughs> <laughs> In retrospect, I'm very happy that no one allowed me to do yeah. that because I remember very distinctly having my hand like on the door handle. Just ready like, to ready go. Ready to, to pull that open up. But um, uh, yeah, uh, no, in retrospect, I'm very happy that that didn't happen because I also saw something run up. You car. saw the cloaked figure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. I, I wouldn't have described it as a cloaked figure. It looked more like a dog to me. Mm-hmm. But mm. I can totally see how those two things would look similar yeah they're not they're not not... so dissimilar that i mean again you're talking about this was 13 years Mm. ago something Something like like that that. 18 years ago god help me um and this is kind of like you know never trust the witness because things you know your your mind fills in gaps but we all well most of us saw something run at the car and Carmen definitely did scream oh shit and gun it. Right. <laughs> but that's the thing. So, like, regardless yeah. of what it was, if multiple people saw something, it's kind of hard to attribute that to just like your eye tricking your, yourself or your brain tricking yourself. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so I think there's definitely room for speculation about what and when things were seen. But generally speaking, we all had a pretty similar experience. It was not... Uh, it, it was not that far apart. I think Jess said she never saw anything. Jess has said she didn't see anything. Um, Bob, I believe, said he was not looking out the window. <laughs> yeah, because Bob was literally sitting with his head. I'm not even joking, like almost between his knees, like his head on the the back of the seat. In he front was of looking him. inward. It's uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Inward. Yeah. He yes. was, uh, 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 and we're back to Halloween kills. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh my God. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. I, and obviously Kevin thinks he saw deer. Um, he also, I believe at one point said, and I, I don't think I mentioned this in the story. I, I, he said that he saw like a light or something cross in front of the okay. car, like a red light. And I'm pretty sure Carmen said he saw that as well. Ooh. Uh, that I have. I don't know. Multiple people said that they saw. I, I wouldn't call it an orb, but it was orb like something that was orb like that was like a bright red light kind of flash across in front of the car from one dark side of the road to Whoa. the other. 
Um, yeah, so it is definitely a very spooky area. I don't know how much of the folklore can be verified in any way, mm-hmm. but it uh, it definitely is. A, it's it's a fun thing to experience, but you do have to do it at at your own discretion yeah. because, like we've said, it is not a public yeah place. not open for christenings <laughs> weddings graduations no. anything like that unfortunately no hardly okay. hardly they actually a couple of years ago they did something in that town it's called mansions in may where they open up all of the big houses and people can go in and like take photos mm-hmm. and shit mm-hmm. and one of the houses that did it was blair's oh really shit. and i had and i had an opportunity to do it and I couldn't go that day. Oh, and I'm, I'm still pissed off about it because they haven't done it since. And I'm know. like, I could have walked in. I was <laughs> I was working that day, so I could not go. But I've always wanted to see. I mean, if you look up Blair's Den Mansion, it's B-L-A-I-R-S-D-E-N, one word. Um, Blair's Den Mansion in Peapack, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. You can see photos of the inside of the mansion. And it's gorgeous. I mean, this it's insane. I, I think mansion is not even really an appropriate word for it it's like it's an estate oh, i love it's that huge 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 um and it's being like well maintained even though there's nobody is it are there people living in there well someone's living in there okay now. yeah someone's someone, someone, someone lives there, there now i don't know who it's probably like a real housewife <laughs> or something like that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no apparently the owners are very private but um i could imagine because my understanding is that this sold for like Oh, it was like seven and a half million dollars. Wow. I think it was more oh. than that. I thought it was closer to like 30. I I didn't see that figure. I, I'm going to have to look it up, but okay. there it, it, it sold for quite a bit of money. Like, not like, oh, I found this under the couch kind of money. This was, <laughs> this was definitely, uh, this was definitely an investment yeah. on Haunted somebody's part. and curb appeal, darling, of course. Right. Exactly. Like, well, I wonder <laughs> if it's going to be like a Skinwalker Ranch situation where in like a few years they're mm. just going to end up like blowing it up fucking open and just start exploiting the hell out of it. Maybe. I would love that, but I doubt that they will. I, I, <laughs> my understanding is that they are like living comfortably in it. Oh, well, that's not fine. Uh, I don't. I no, know. And yeah. like what a what a horrible thing to do to like steal this wonderful thing from everybody. <laughs> like they, how dare you live in your house? How dare you buy this house and live <laughs> yeah, in it? So like rude. obviously you have enough money to get another house or something like that. I mean, I don't know your situation or who you sleep with, but at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Certainly not enough people to need 19 bathrooms. Yeah. That's all I can Airbnb say. Airbnb it for the month of October. Turn, let it become a haunted house. Like just give something to your community. For real. Yeah, thank you. If if I owned that house, I would absolutely Airbnb yeah. it. Yeah. You would make you could Airbnb it for like a thousand dollars a night. You know people would oh, do it. Oh hell yeah. I would do uh, it. Yeah. I'm curious if you if if it, if the private property thing weren't an issue, if you could go, would you absolutely. go? Absolutely. One hundred percent. Oh my god, yeah, please. Yeah. 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 Are you adventure are you the kind of guys who would like adventurously uh maybe loiter well, <laughs> in a place you shouldn't mm, be smoke weed maybe but like uh no like <laughs> the thing is we're not gonna we're not gonna like go out there and be like ghost bros and be like come happy spirits but like i, I would definitely yeah. like to go out and poke my head out there yeah yeah i've always wanted to experience something as spooky as that like something that's truly unexplainable like yeah handprints mm. on your car when you were been in it the whole time in the middle of nowhere yeah i like, always wanted we're that. spooky bitches i mean like i used to live in one of the 
actually it's like on usually on the list of like the most haunted places in Canada. It's like a residence that I like elected to live in. Really? Oh yeah, seminary house at Acadia University. Um, I, uh, allegedly, a nun hung herself in the residence. Um, basically through a like on a floor there's a guardrail that used to be in the middle of it like a big oval and it would look down to the floor below and i guess she got pregnant and ended up uh dying by suicide and basically uh they say that you can still see her spirit and there were a number like i used to have weird reoccurring dreams when i lived there and all this other kind of stuff but yeah never had any like real experience there but also like I don't know. I feel like it's easy to throw a stone in Canada and be in one of the 10 most haunted places in Canada. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) There are only 11 places. It's a matter of opinion. But at the end of the day, uh, yeah, like we're totally game for that kind of shit. Yeah. In fact, we're the kind of people that are like, let's go to the attic. Why not? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're big John and little John. You're like, there's a noise. Let's get the charcuterie knife and go upstairs. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm protecting my armpits the whole time, though. (laughs) oh big john and little john thoughts and feelings slash opinions well without giving too much away for for any of our listeners who haven't seen the movie yet uh it was the only part of that movie that i was not a huge fan. yeah yeah for me i was like well thank you for not hate criming the gay person in the first few minutes like it part two or something like that you know just for fun yeah uh or for funsies sorry my apologies but essentially (laughs) yeah i just thought it was it was kind of like not to be like oh it was two-dimensional but it really was It was very two-dimensional, and Sam and I literally just recorded our episode about about Halloween Kills before we started talking Uh to you guys. Um, It it was, like, not homophobic. No. But if it had taken, like, half a step in any direction, (laughs) it would have been. Yeah, 100%. And this is the thing. I was kind of there with Tyler going, like you know what, like, I get it, like, you didn't, like, straight up offend anyone, but I just felt like, at a certain point, after probably the third time that they had done Big John, hey, Little John, Big John, Little John, I was kind of like, all right, we don't need this. A little bit more funny. Also, like, yeah, the idea of, like, name, how often do two queer people with the same name end up together? (laughs) I feel like it's a pretty rare... I I do know one case. Yeah. I do know one case. Yes. Everybody knows one yeah, case, but, but there, yeah. but it's not that common. No, no and that, and not, and like if that happens, we don't refer to each other as like big blank and little blank. Yeah, necessarily. Yeah, you wouldn't be like big Tyler and little Tyler. No, that would be fucking weird. <laughs> but then I'm like, I wish you could all see the face that Tyler just made. <laughs> he hates his name enough to begin with. Like my legal first name is Forrester and he's like, oh, that's cool. That's like somebody who works in the forest. He's like, my first name is Tyler. It means a person who lays tile. It's true. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. So yeah. That's the true. Tylers wouldn't really be. My legal first name is Pissy, which means someone who is into golden showers. I love it. So I, <laughs> I understand your, I understand your trepidation. So it's not even a nickname. It's not like Pissandra. It's just Pissy. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Pistoria. No, no, Cassandra. This, yeah. I've I've been I've been called a number of things. As a matter of fact, uh an ex friend of mine used to refer to me as Pistol Whip oh. because I would always be the person who uh first of all, I think she got mad because I would all I would call her Cheryl mm-hmm. uh on stage. And she uh she used to call me Pistol Whip because I was the one who was always like Okay, the train is at two fifteen, so you better be there at two, or I'm gonna beat your ass. Uh, <laughs> and she would always be there at two fourteen. So, um, 
Yeah, she used to call me Pistol Whip. So maybe Pissy is just short for Pistol Whip. <laughs> I mean, if you want to own it, feel free. Also, feel free to take Pistoria and run with it. That's on you, though. I love Pistoria. Yeah, I like Pissandra. That's a that fun one. That is a one. good one. That's very, that's very, uh, uh, I, I don't know what the Elvira version of Pissy would be. Pissvira? That sounds <laughs> like a, That sounds like... It does. It does, It sounds like a drug you take when you have a UTI, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, really. Though. Take Pisvira. <laughs> oh my god! Got that burning itching. There's going to be a girl on season fourteen of Drag Race named Pissandra, and you're going to be like, "Fuck!" <laughs> I would. And this is how we'll know. This you, is recorded on fucking audio. Like uh, this is like our own version of mailing it to our, like the idea to ourselves. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Pissandra. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm curious before we let you guys go because we have taken up a lot of your time uh, before we let you go do you have any haunting stories I know you lived in in uh, the seminary house yeah uh, well Johnny but- um, I've had a few kind of haunting encounters and I know Tyler you've had some do you want to go first sure I'll go with mine mine's yeah, yeah. itty bitty like I said, I've always been somebody who has wanted to experience something truly paranormal, truly unexplainable, mm. and I've never really gotten there. And I've also heard that the more that you try, the least likely you are to experience something because you're not you know, it's true. open to it necessarily. Mm. But uh, when I was a teenager, there is kind of an infamously haunted road in my hometown called the Branch Road. It's just this long road that's like a logging road. So some mm-hmm. vehicles go down it just to kind of like skirt through the actual main road, but it's not very heavily traveled. And there's lots of rumors around this road that there was a woman who got lost in the woods and, and died in the woods. And then it's also supposed to be one of those places where people will go in to uh, basically die by suicide. It's it's one of those places. Mm-hmm. Lots of yeah. stories around it, but none of it can be verified by facts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's across the street from that, a graveyard. That, that's like, we have like, yeah, that's it sounds like Clinton yeah. Road to yeah. us. We have a very similar road here in New Jersey called Clinton Road, and I've been there many times. And I've only been spooked by it once, but uh, I'll, I'll let you continue. Sure, yeah. So my friends and I, same idea. It's summer... It's nighttime. We're like 13, 14, maybe. And we want to go and get scared. So none of us can drive. So we have to get my father to drive us to (laughs) this road (laughs) before sundown. And he drops us off in the graveyard. And we're like, great. We'll hang out in the graveyard before we go walk down this haunted road once it gets dark. And we came prepared. We all had flashlights. I had a bag of batteries that I pulled from a drawer somewhere in my home and a flip phone. (laughs) with not a lot of battery left in it. <laughs> Preparedness was the Very name of the prepared. game. A bag of batteries yeah, for like it, a quarter of the life on the phone. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. We're you were clearly a Boy yeah. Scout, Tyler. Yeah. Listen, I was for a year. He's like, I had so much trail mix, <laughs> yeah. but no All the phone. trail mix, all the snacks. <laughs> Listen, if you want me to prepare for any kind of excursion, let me be in charge of the snacks and we will not go hungry. Yeah. Trust and believe. I Beautiful. sewed the badges on the vests <laughs> for the other boys, but that was about all that I did. Yeah. yeah. I hear him. <laughs> but, but anyway, sun goes down. We start going down this long, dark road and we're completely alone. And 
not much happened. There was a point where I, I thought I did see something kind of in the tall grass. It looked sort of like a person hunched over, kind of like crawling in the grass. Mm-hmm. But mm. nobody else saw it. And I attribute it to my eyes playing tricks on me. But the whole idea is, is if you drive down this road in a vehicle and you stop at the fork in the road, the ghost of this woman who supposedly died there is supposed to appear in your backseat. And then you're just supposed to keep driving off of the road until she disappears. Of course, we weren't in a vehicle, so we didn't anticipate seeing that. But when we did get to the fork in the road, we realized we didn't know the correct path to take. One went down to the water and one went down further down the road, but we didn't know which was which. So at that point, we Mm. decided that it was time to head out. And I was able to literally make (laughs) one phone call to get picked up before the phone died. And within that time that we were waiting to be picked up about 20 minutes, every single flashlight we had had drained. And I had this bag of batteries. We tried switching the batteries out in the flashlights and just none of them would stay on. So it was it was quite spooky. Mm -hmm. But there are some rational explanations for that as well. I could have just grabbed a bag of dead batteries. (laughs) (laughs) Not out of the question. Do do your parents keep bags of dead batteries? I guess so. (laughs) Yours don't? (laughs) My God. They're like, I told you, I was in charge of snacks. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) His parents are like zero baby photos, all batteries. So yeah, yeah. welcome to the hide. I love that. That's the closest thing (laughs) I've ever experienced. I love that. Yeah, and I mean like, that is spooky. It is. And that's the thing. I mean, like a, a ghost coming for your cell phone, coming for your everything. I mean, basically, it was just somebody with a flair for the dramatic. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've kind of. Oh, absolutely. I haven't had uh, the electronic malfunction, although I did. I had that when I worked at a Dairy Queen once. But uh, my kind of like sexy top five list, I haven't had like a lot. In fact, I'm kind <laughs> of. Uh, I, I'm notoriously agnostic when it comes to like whether or not I actually believe in the paranormal. I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Um, that's an exact quote and impression, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but mm. basically I, I've had a few experiences that have made me kind of call my parents and go, am I crazy? Um, <laughs> One of them being, uh, I went with a friend uh, like to a graveyard, went driving, actually, Funny enough, we stopped and it was completely pitch black. And then we had some lights kind of like zip around the car. So it, not exactly, you know, red lights in the woods and uh, the mother superior mm. coming for my wig, such as your party. But uh, that was kind of <laughs> freaky. I also had an experience uh, staying at a friend's place in Antigonish, Nova Scotia. Um, and during that time, I actually worked at Again, one of the most haunted places in Canada, allegedly. Um, But basically, (laughs) I was sleeping on a couch in a living room and was hearing rattling and footsteps on a staircase behind me. And when I went to go check it, there was nobody there. So I go up to the top of the stairs, make sure that everyone up there is asleep. And then as I'm standing there with my back to the staircase, I hear the footsteps behind me. Mm. And it's like someone stumbling. So basically, I like... Ran into the bathroom for a second, got my shit together, ran downstairs, and then basically looked for sublets in Antigonish at one in the morning until <laughs> until I could fall asleep. Like, unfortunately, though, there were no hotels or anything open at the time. Um, 
But wow. yeah, so I've had those kind of experiences where I just can't really place it. Um, I also worked at, like I said, a Dairy Queen when I was a teenager and had an experience where I thought I saw an apparition in the basement. Um, and mm. then one night when we were closing down, our drive through speaker kept turning on and somebody could swear that they heard the words help being yelled through it. Ah. Um, yeah, but there was nobody in the drive through or anything like that. But the thing kept switching on. And then the oven, like the charbroiler, because it's a Dairy Queen, um, it kept turning back on. So yeah, it was really freaky. Um, but again, how spooky, but, but again, nothing where it's like the ghost looked at me and then I looked at the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> it's nothing like that. Yeah. Huh. Th- those are almost worse because like, I've always said to David, I, 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 one of the things that freaks me out the most, but like if he goes, if he goes away and I have to stay at home alone, the idea of like disembodied footsteps mm-hmm just like freaks me out and especially when they're like running footsteps like the yeah, 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 oh yeah, fuck yeah, that yeah. noise it's like that noise to me is like the pinnacle of like fuck my life 100%. i forgot yeah. about the laundry room in our building that we live in now so like oh, just yeah. before we started our podcast in 2018 we were mm-hmm. um we have like a a 29 floor building that we live in here in Toronto with a big communal laundry room in the basement. And it's one of those situations where the middle of the floor is the laundry room and there's kind of hallways that go on the outside of it. So there's, you know, like a bit of a horseshoe shape of hallways. And basically I'm at the end Mm -hmm. of one of the horseshoes coming out after doing the laundry alone at two in the morning, something like that. And I have headphones in, but I pull one out and I clearly as fucking day hear a man's voice yell, Hey, from the end of the horseshoe, like the end of the hallway where there is nobody. I ran. Yeah. Um, like I got noodle legged and I almost <laughs> fell down as I was like getting to uh, the elevator. Like I had my back to the wall and it's, that's probably the closest thing to like, a, Oh fuck that happened two feet in front of me. Yeah. And Johnny came back up. And you know, when somebody oh, comes wow. and you could just tell that they're scared, yeah. you could just tell that something happened. Like this isn't, just like something yeah. of your imagination, like you experienced yeah. something because you were terrified when you came up. And I wouldn't go back down to that basement alone for at least about a year. Like I was really legitimately freaked out. And again, like I like it's I used to work as like a theater lighting designer. So I'm used to hanging out in like hundred mm-hmm. year old buildings in pitch black where nobody yeah. else is, <laughs> you know, focusing. A f- and you're in the lighting booth, which just happens to be in the, uh, oh, yeah. like the back right corner of the basement. Yeah. And, and like, like, and like yeah. I, you know, I did a number of other production roles, but essentially I spent uh, the better part of my twenties, uh, like in th- like old haunted theaters, every theater is fucking haunted. Mm. Um, so I, you know, never saw anything there. Like always wanted to see that kind of stuff, but yeah, like taking out laundry at two in the morning got me. Yeah. I'm like, Damn. like that's yeah. A Cause lot. usually I'm like Jennifer love Hewitt and I know what you did last summer. I'm like, <laughs> what are you waiting for? Like, come get me. <laughs> I'm full ghost bros. I just yeah. want it, but I never get it. Mm-hmm. Well, do your laundry tonight, darling. <laughs> this is this is your You're moment. Like, Wash behind your ears. Do your fucking laundry. I don't know. Get yourself together. Maybe you'll see a ghost. <laughs> Maybe this is your night. Maybe just thinking about it and being this close to Halloween, I'm gonna put it out there. The next time you go to the laundry room, something's gonna something's gonna speak. Oh, to I you. can't wait. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what, a, what a wonderful blessing. Why would you do that? I'm gonna send it out into the universe. I'm gonna be like, please bless Johnny with a. Ho- 
fucking horrifying mm-hmm. experience. Please manifest <laughs> the most intimidating ghost possible. Yeah, I love that. Po- anything possible. Like, honestly, I want to see fucking malignant. I want some bitch running at you backwards. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want. Oh, for you, you want Johnny. malignant? Okay, I'll give you malignant. Rip off my wig. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, thank you guys so so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our little our little ghost story, and oh, uh, we certainly enjoyed having you we on. We loved here. it. Like, thank you two so much for having us, Sam and Pissy. And like Pissy, I gotta say, this is uh, a little bit of a uh, it, it's a nice full circle moment because I know, like, before I ever started podcasting, I remember hearing you and David on Grizzly Kiki. So it's kind of a uh, oh my goodness, as, as the poet Power Man Five Thousand once said. Now this is what it's like when worlds collide. <laughs> this is what it's yeah, like. So. I, yeah, it's so funny. I I love Robert and Daniel. They're still two of our very best friends in the whole wide world. Um, and I miss Grizzly Kiki all the time. It was so much fun to do and so much fun to listen to. Uh, and they are just the sweetest, most wonderful, wonderful people. So uh, I, I'm saying, actually, I don't know if you knew this. One of the one of the things in the closing of our episodes is a tribute to Robert and Daniel. Oh, I didn't realize because they helped us so much. It is at the end of our at the end of our um, uh, at the end of our credits at the end of our show. It we we I say um, um, this episode contains clips from and then I I do all the credits and then at the end I say. Um, uh, my spooky gay family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions, and then the music fades out, and I go Barbara Duel, <laughs> and it's because when um, when I put out Baba Shook, it was obviously a reference mm-hmm, to Baba yeah. Duke, and I was we were texting with Robert and Daniel, and Daniel kept saying he kept wanting to say, "Oh my God, I loved Baba Shook." Uh, is it based on Babadook? And he he was like, oh my God, I loved Babashook. Is it based on Barbadool? <laughs> Barbadool. Barbadool. Oh my God, Barbadool. And his his phone just kept auto-correcting Babadook to Barbadool. And so it, would be, it was just like over and over. He, it was like after one after another, he would be like, Barbadool. Oh my God, Barbadool. <laughs> Then all caps, Barbara Duel. And we were like, we were like, Daniel, what are you trying to say? Just absolutely. So that is, that is, that is where Barbara Duel Productions came from. And it was a, a big thank you to them because when we were first starting My Spooky Gay Family, obviously they had been doing Grizzly Kiki for mm-hmm. a long time. And they gave us so much, uh, priceless information about starting the podcast and so as a as a little thank you we made it uh barbara That's so sweet. they gave us a lot of priceless information as well because we were uh just pure interlopers and listeners of grizzly kiki yeah um but we like we loved their show so much that basically when we were starting this up we were kind of like maybe we could just text them and see if they'll like be willing to listen to our bullshit and tell <laughs> us if it's worth actually putting up on iTunes or yeah. Apple podcasts or whatever it's yeah. called now. And uh, they were so sweet about it and they gave us some really great pointers yeah. and yeah, it's just, uh, we, we absolutely love them. I'm fumbling over all my words here because my heart's just spilling out of <laughs> <into> the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> They're just the so sweetest sweet. and like, so, so giving, like they, they, they're not worried about, you know, uh, you know, 
not sharing information or, or getting the leg up on people. They're just the sweetest, nicest people, and I love if, them to death. This is a this is this is a big love letter to Robert absolutely. and Daniel. <laughs> I mean, if if we were like douchey actors, I feel like we would say they just they just have a generosity of spirit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> They do have a generosity yeah, of spirit. Just, they're so generous on the stage. And I just, it's a joy. It's truly a dream to engage yeah. in the craft with them. Yeah. To engage yeah. in the craft. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Manon. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you guys so, so much. Where can everybody find you on okay, social media? Okay, well, they media? can find the both of us on all forms of social media uh, under our podcast's handle, which is That's Spooky Pod, T-H-A-T-S-S-P-O-O-K-Y-P-O-D. Uh, and then uh, our you can also find That's Spooky on any podcast app. Every week on Wednesdays, we do our main show. And then we also have our little Friday hangouts where we go over weird news, uh, scary stuff, and uh, we call it spooky gay bullshit. So it's it's a 10-minute segment that we've been doing since day one at the beginning of our show. Um, and then we decided to turn that into like a little mini episode thing. So we talk about like weird, wacky news and queer stuff. So uh, that's on mm. Fridays. And then you can find me on Instagram at Pansy Twist or on Twitter at Johnny Can. And I'm on uh, Instagram and Twitter at uh, T underscore ties. T-E-E underscore T-Y-S beautiful thank you guys so 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 much for joining us i really can't tell you how how much fun we've had chatting with you guys uh and if you're listening please go check out that's spooky it's a phenomenal podcast they talk about a lot of fun shit uh David and I have been enjoying it for some time. <laughs> you can catch them on the Morbid Network. You can catch them wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts, I'm assuming Google Play, Spotify, uh, all the fun ones. Uh, so that's it. We we are going to finish up for tonight. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the story of Blair's Den. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out on any social media at My Spooky Gay Family on Instagram, My Spooky Gay Family Podcasts on Facebook, Spooky Gay Fam on Twitter, or SpookyGayFam at gmail.com. We're always happy to get your uh, questions, comments, and uh, listener feedback. So that's it for us tonight. Until next time, stay spooky and Remember. Speak to them! Why? They're dead! What? The ghosts! Please come here! My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips from The Others, distributed by Warner Brothers Pictures 2001. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Hey!